amazing. Okay, today we are going to talk about the battle of the mind. Oh my goodness. Okay, has anybody ever had a negative thought go through your mind ever, ever, ever? Raise your hand. Okay? Probably all of us at some point in time. Here's the thing that we need to know. Most of life's battles... Most of the battles that we go through in life are either lost or won in our mind. This is where it all starts. This is the place where we decide whether we're going to believe a lie. This is the place where we're going to decide where we're going to believe truth. This is the place where we make the decision if we are going to follow through in a sinful way. This is where it all happens, is in our minds. I want you to turn with me to 2 Corinthians 10, verse 3 to 4. If you have your Bibles or your devices, whatever it is that you are looking at the Word of God on, 2 Corinthians 10, uh, 10, verse 3 to 4. Do we have that, Emmanuel? Our PowerPoint's been giving us a little bit of grief. I apologize for those of you who are getting a little frustrated with some of the words not coming up, but we've had some issues. Okay, 2 Corinthians 10, verse 3 and 4. For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish. Everybody say demolish. Demolish Demolish strongholds. We demolish. Everybody say demolish. Demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself against the knowledge of God. And, And we take captive... Every, everybody say every, every every thought and make it obedient to Christ. Okay, there's a lot, let let me just kind of like park there for a whole hot second, okay? We live in a world and we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight against are not of the world. They have divine power. The weapons that are used in our minds have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself against the knowledge of God. So, strongholds. We're going to park at the word strongholds for a second. When you uh, find out what strongholds are, when you kind of like study what a stronghold is, it's actually a military term. And it's, it's meant as something that was built as a fortress, something either built to keep military people, strong officials safe in a place, or it is also used, a stronghold, a place, a fortress is also used to keep prisoners. That's what a stronghold is. So when we read scripture and we're told that the enemy is trying to build strongholds in your lives, but we in Christ have the power to demolish. Everybody say demolish. Demolish strongholds. When we demolish 
It is destroyed. It is done. It is finished. It is gone. There is nothing left. But we need to be aware of the battle that we fight every single solitary day in our minds. We need to be aware of it. The enemy tries and tries and tries to build these strongholds, but we have a place where we have God in our lives where we can, we can fight against that in his, he gives us the strength and the power. We don't have to be subject to those battles. We don't have to be subject to those strongholds. We can break them down. When we are weak, he is strong. He will give us the power that we need to be able to overcome. Okay, the best place that the enemy loves, 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 loves to attack us in our minds is to put thoughts into our minds that are completely against what God would say. Completely a lie. Some of us have maybe have believed in these lies, or some of us are currently believing in these lies. And the enemy would love nothing more for us to believe that we are worthless, that we have no worth. And I loved hearing the testimonies of these kids because every time they have an experience with God, it is another moment where they are reminded that they have worth. Do we understand that we have worth? The enemy will try to tell us that we are losers, that we are nothing. The enemy would try to tell us that our marriage is horrible, that our spouse is ridiculous, that our spouse doesn't love us, that our spouse doesn't care because the spouse didn't do this and we wanted them to do that. And sometimes we start having these ridiculous thoughts about our spouse. And maybe we start to look at somebody else and go, oh, if they could only be like that. Or we watch social media and we're like, oh, if only my life was like that. If only my spouse was like that, my life would be better. And we start to believe the lies that the enemy very sneakily puts in there. The enemy would want to put lies into our heads to say for our singles that you will always be alone and lonely because you are worthless. The enemy would love for us to believe that we are ugly or we are fat or we are worthless and we have nothing to give. The enemy wants us to believe in these lies. But last week I read this verse and I read it often because I just really, really want you to get this in your head. John 16, verse 33. In this world you will have trouble. The enemy will continue to attack. He will continue to try to get in your head. He will cause issues in your life. We can just watch the TV news for a whole 30 seconds and know that our world is in trouble. But take heart because I have overcome the world. Luke 10, 19. It says, I have given you authority. That is you and me. God has given us authority to trample on snakes and scorpions, to overcome all the power of the enemy, nothing will harm you. It does not say that he will give you just a little bit of authority so you can just kind of fight the little battles. He says that he will overcome all, nothing will harm you. He will overcome all the power 
of the enemy. As long as we do not give the enemy a foothold. <coughs> a lot of our problems are formed because we are listening. Because we are giving space to the enemy. We are giving him opportunity to have space in our brain. That's where the problems lie. Let's turn to Genesis 3, verse 1 to 7. This is right at the very, very, very beginning of time when sin entered the world. Adam and Eve were created perfect, and God created paradise specifically. That was his original plan. And then the enemy stepped in. And what happened? Genesis 3, 1 to 7. Now the serpent, or we refer to him as the enemy, or the devil, whatever, whatever your terminology is. Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord had made. He said to the woman, first of all, who's not freaked out about the fact that a snake is talking? <laughs> like, I would be like, hold on a second, just stop talking. <laughs> Why are you talking? <laughs> Anyways, that's just, that's Wendy's brain. Um, It's just like nowhere in here that goes, and she kind of went, oh my gosh, this thing is talking. Okay, anyways, um, he says to the woman, did God really say you must not eat of any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, why is she giving him space? Why is she giving him space? Why is she talking to him? Why is she entering into a conversation with the enemy? I ask that of all of us today. Why do we give him space? The woman said to the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden, but God did say, You must not eat fruit from the tree in the the middle of the garden, and you must not touch it or you will die. Verse 4, you will certainly not die, the serpent said to the woman, for God knows that when you eat it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. When the woman saw the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye, pleasing to the eye, that was all of a sudden herself desired it, she wanted it, selfish nature came in, it was pleasing to the eye and desirable for gaining wisdom, what she wanted for herself, okay? She took some and she ate it, and she also gave to her husband who was with her. So they're together. So all the men, like my husband, who would say, blame Eve, they were together. They were together. This was a joint moment where they gave an ear to the enemy, and he ate it. Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they realized they were naked, so they sewed fig trees together and made coverings for themselves. 
Okay, what do we learn from this little portion of scripture? We learn that the enemy is crafty. And he will take God's word and twist it, just like we've seen him try to do with Jesus when Jesus went out into the wilderness to be tempted. He takes things that are godly and he makes us question. And he says, did God really say? How many of us have questioned God telling us to do something, we feel God directing us to do something, or giving us something, or saying something to us that is truth in the word, and all of a sudden, we start to doubt. I can remember in the beginning of my ministry where people would come to me and give me words from the Lord telling me that God was calling me into ministry, and it was like such an extremely excruciatingly long time before God released me into ministry, and I would start to doubt and think, did God really call me into ministry? The enemy was having a heyday with that. I had to continually go back to God's feet and say, okay, God, help me remember. Because the journey of why it took so long was because I was having to learn a lot of things that would equip me for ministry. So just because it doesn't happen in the moment that we pray and we, we don't get the answer right away when we want it to, it's because God has a plan. But the enemy knows that there's going to be a time span in there, and he will then start to cause you to doubt. Did he really say that? He started calling into question in the minds of who God is. And what God said. And he starts to plant little tiny seeds in our minds. Making us think that God can't be trusted. That God's word is not truth. And with Adam and Eve, as he planted that seed of, did God really say that? Because, because when you eat this, you'll actually, you're going to just be like God. And he has a way of making it seem so incredible. And as we think about it, and we think about it, and we process it, when the enemy puts that stuff in our brain, those little tiny seeds, as he plants those seeds, they start to grow and become a stronghold. Maybe at some point in time in your life, you were told by somebody that you were no good, that you were worthless, that you're dumb, that you're stupid, whatever. And that seed was planted in your brain maybe when you were a tiny child. And because it wasn't taken captive and removed from your brain, it starts to grow. Where you start to grow more and more into believing that you have no worth. And it becomes a stronghold in your mind. Let's turn to Numbers chapter 13. <clears throat> verse 31 to 33. This is the story where Joshua and Caleb and the spies went out to seek out the promised land. This was the land that God gave them. That God promised them. God told them, this is my gift to you. 
This is what I'm going to give you. And so they seek it out, verse 31 to 33. And it says, but the men who had gone up with him said, we can't attack those people. They are stronger than we are. And they spread among the Israelites a bad report about the land that they had explored. They said, the land we explored devours those living in it. All the people saw, we saw, were of great size. We saw Nephilim there. We seemed like grasshoppers in our own eyes, and we looked the same to them. So we have the spies, Joshua and Caleb, and they go to the promised land to check out where God, the land that God has promised, I am giving this you, I'm giving this land to you. When God says that he's going to give you something, he is going to make it happen. Not only is he going to make it happen, he is going to equip you to be able to accomplish what he has called you to do. No matter how crazy it seems, God will make it happen. You need to trust him. And God made a promise. This land is your land. When they went to go check out the land, all of a sudden they started to believe the lies of the enemy who then got them to doubt that this land was for them. They saw giants. And they said, we were like grasshoppers to them. They were so big that we were like eatsy-weetsy little grasshoppers. So they start to believe that. But then it says, and we looked the same to them. Excuse me, but did you ask them what we look like to you? <laughs> did you stand up to those giants and say, Hello, Mr. Giant, do I look like a grasshopper to you? That didn't happen. So why do we assume what they were thinking? Why do these spies assume that they looked like grasshoppers to the giants. Maybe, for all we know, the giants looked at them and went, <gasps> those are men of God. But the men of God didn't see God in their own lives. They believed the lie that the enemy planted in their minds. We seemed like grasshoppers and we looked the same to them. How many times have we assumed something that somebody has said about us or is saying about us? We can all raise our hands on that one. How many of us have assumed that we are not capable to do something because we don't think that we can and we don't think that the person asking us to do it thinks that we can. You see, when you continually say, I can't, I can't, I can't, you won't. You will never do something. And the more you believe the lie that you can't, you will not be able to. How do we know what other people are thinking? Now, because of this disbelief, turn to Numbers 14, 
29 to 30. In this wilderness, your bodies, this is God telling them what their punishment is, for not believing that God's truth is truth. That God made them a promise, this land is yours. For not believing the promise, they missed out. In the wilderness, your bodies will fall. Every one of you, 20 years old or more, who was counted in this census, who has grumbled against me, not one of you will enter the land I swore with uplifted hand to make your home, except Caleb and Joshua. Caleb and Joshua, out of everybody 20 years and older, Caleb and Joshua, and anybody like 19 and under, were the only ones who got to see the promised land. Now, think about that for a minute. Because they're waiting, this is 40 years, they're waiting for people to die. (laughs) Sounds really morbid. One more guy to go. Come on, dude, because we want to get into that promised land. We've been waiting for 40 years. All because... They chose to believe the lie that the enemy put into their minds. They lost out on seeing God's blessing. How many of us have lost out or are losing out because we're allowing the enemy to have space in our brain. We're having conversation with the devil. And we're allowing him to get in here. When we remain in victim mentality, when we remain in victim mentality, we will always be in that place of being defeated. When we remain in, oh, woe is me. Everybody hates me. Guess I'll go eat worms. Does anybody remember that song? (laughs) All the millennials are like, huh? Why would you go eat a worm? When we're in victim mentality, it will always be negative. The more we think about something, the more it takes hold in our brain. When we remain in that place of, they're just mean to me, they they talk about me, or I'm, I'm no good, or all that negative garbage. And it's gonna be different for every single person. Whatever your situation is, if it's negative, it's garbage. An interesting thing scientifically in our brains. When we form a habit or we think about something on a regular basis, it literally forms like a highway in our brain. Like it becomes a a normal thing in our brain. It becomes a pattern in our brain of the way we think. 
So that's why when we do habits, when you know when you do something and you've done it and you've done it and you've done it, where you don't really have to think about it anymore, you just do it. Like like I, we used to joke around when when we were living up north, and I would come down here to do stuff at Brayside Camp for meetings. I'm like, I could drive that highway with my eyes closed. I've done it so many times because I've done it and I've done it and I've done it. So in my brain, I don't even have to think about it. I don't have to put my GPS on anymore. I know it, it's there, it's in my brain. The more you think about something, that forms in your brain. So the more you think in victim mentality, that is formed in your brain. The more you think about, oh, I'm such a loser, that is formed in your brain. The more you think about, I have no worth, or I cannot do it, or they're thinking all this stuff negative about me, or my life is horrible, and everybody else's is awesome, and when I look on social media and see everybody happy, and I'm so grumpy, and when I come to church and nobody says hi to me, everybody hates me, those formed in your brain, and they become strongholds. They are permanently in your, no, I take that back. They are in your brain as a stronghold, but with Christ, we can demolish, amen, amen those strongholds. Yes. <laughs> we have to take every thought captive. Proverbs 23, 7. In the NIV version, it says, For he is the kind of person who is always thinking about the cost. Eat and drink, he says to you, but his heart is not with you. So other versions will actually say, As a man thinketh, so is he. So a person says one thing with their mouth because what's in their head is coming out their mouth, but in their heart, they're believing something different. So we can come to church with our happy, smiling face and all dressed up and looking lovely and looking like we love Jesus and looking like we love the world, but inside, something different could be happening. Inside, we could be lonely. Inside, we could be hurting. Inside, we could be mad at somebody. Inside, we could be feeling something completely contrary. Because whatever is in here, is in here. These are connected. John 8, 31 to 32, it says, To the Jews who have believed in Jesus, this is including us, just let you know. It's not just for the Jews. It's for us. If we believe in Jesus and we believe that Jesus said, if you hold to my teaching, this is truth. If you hold on to the truth and you are really my disciples, then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Yes. It is impossible to have positive, free, exciting, woohoo life like the ooh ooh that we heard today. It is impossible to be like ooh ooh Jesus, ooh ooh. Okay, it is impossible to have that when we are listening to the biggest lie from the enemy that is holding you down. You can't, you can't be all like ooh ooh when you're like okay, and it doesn't happen. The two don't go together. We have to stop believing the lies of the enemy that tells us, I can't, 
I'm not good enough. I'm worthless. I don't deserve God's life. Life would be better uh, if, 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 if I had that. If I had that, it, you know, life would be better if. Everyone is against me. Nobody listens to me. Why am I so alone? Why do I say something and nobody really gets what I'm saying? They're talking about me. They're not doing things the way that I want and, and it's because they don't think I'm good enough or I'm worthless. The, uh, the, the, that God, this whole God thing, how many of us young people, I'm, I'm talking to you today, how many times has the enemy tried to tell you that this God thing is a lie? That is the best, I, I hate to say it, but that is one of, that's one of his you know, top-notch lies is, is that he doesn't exist. That this God thing is, is a lie, that it's stupid, that the word of God is just a book. It's just somebody who wrote it down, and it's just a whole hoax. That is the best lie that the enemy has ever created. But I'm telling you today, it is a lie from the pit of hell. Amen. You know, I even look at when I watch movies or TV shows, and there's always a battle between good and evil. Even in the secular world, they get that there is a battle between good and evil. Why then, when we come to church, do we believe, oh, there's not really a hell. There's not really a Satan. There's not really a God. Even the world gets it. There is a battle between good and evil, and there is a battle between good and evil in the church today. We're going to talk, in a, in a couple of weeks, we're going to do a series on, on, on the armor of God, and, and, and God talks about the, the helmet of salvation. The, hel like the helmet that sits on our head, he wants to protect the knowledge that we have salvation in him. And that's where the enemy will battle you. Because he does not want you to have salvation. The enemy will help us try to make us think that we deserve, we're justified to feel this way. We're justified to be angry. We have every right. In the Garden of Eden, where Eve looked at it and she said it was pleasing to her eye. Because all of a sudden she stopped focusing on what God's will is for her life and what she wanted. Where are we all with that today? It's the first scripture verse that I read. I'm going to go back. And I'm going to invite the worship team to come. <clears throat> Second Corinthians 10, 3 to 4. We need to take every thought captive and make it obedient to Christ. Every thought that comes into your mind, anytime you walk into church and you look at people and, and your mind is, oh, are they talking about me? Because you walk up to people and they stop talking and you're like, oh, they were talking about me. They were so talking about me. When they were talking about, like, apparently there's hockey on right now or something. Like, you know what I mean? Like, take that thought captive. I will not allow it in my brain. It's not truth. It does not line up with the word of God. It's not truth. I am a child of God. I am a daughter of the king. I am 
a, a son of the king. I am an heir to the throne. Those are things you have to believe. And who said what they are thinking? Well, I look like a grasshopper to them. How do you know? Let's stand and let's read Philippians 4, verse 8 and 9. And I'm going to get the worship, the worship team to yet yeah, sing this song, Holy Spirit Rain. Philippians 4, 8 and 9. What are we supposed to think about? We are supposed to think about whatever is true. This is truth. If it doesn't line up with this, it's garbage. Whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if it is excellent or praiseworthy. Is your thoughts praiseworthy? Think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice and the God of peace will be with you. You will receive the promised land. Don't miss out on what God has for you. If you are here today and you are struggling with some thoughts, I want to encourage you today. Do some business with Jesus. Take every thought captive. Because what God says is truth. Not what we think in here is truth. Unless it lines up with the word of God. If you need prayer this morning, to get your brain wrapped around what Jesus thinks of you and not what the world, not what the enemy would be telling you, then I encourage you today to come and surrender to him. If you're not comfortable to come forward, that's fine, but I encourage you to do business with God where you are. Don't miss out on the promised land. Don't be the 20 and over who we were waiting to die so we could receive what God had for us. Don't wait that long. But receive from God today. As we sing this song, we're going to ask the Holy Spirit to come down and reign in this place. I'm going to close in prayer this morning. And if you want to come forward and just spend some time with the Lord, I encourage you to do so. Let's break off. Let's break off the things that the enemy is doing. If you're watching online right now and this is you, I want you to mark in the comments. I'm breaking off the enemy's lies today. Don't give him space. Don't rent him space in your brain anymore. God, I just thank you for today. I thank you for the truth of your word. I thank you that we are more than conquerors when we walk with you. I thank you that we have power to break down, not only break down, but we have the power to demolish strongholds. We have the power to change the pattern in our brain through you. God, I pray for every single person here today who is dealing with battles in their mind. 
that you would bring healing, you would bring truth, you would bring life back into their minds. And God, that it would be an outpouring, Father, of your grace and your love. Jesus, do a work today, I pray, in Jesus' precious name. Amen. If that's you and you want prayer, or you just want to spend time with the Lord at this altar, or you need prayer for something else, please, I invite you to come forward. The worship team is going to play. If you need to go home, I bless you, and I encourage you to go. With the Holy Spirit, hang on to his hand, and don't let go. Don't allow the enemy to have space. Amen? Come forward if you want.